podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three. Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me, the podcast about the trials and tribulations of Northampton Town Football Club. I'm Charles and joining me are Danny Brothers and Neil Edgerton Scott, who don't understand the double jeopardy rule, and Chessie Coleman, who can explain it all. Okay, so the double jeopardy rule is that if the foul is committed outside the box, it's a free kick and a red card. If it's inside the box, it's a penalty and only a yellow card. However, there has to be an attempt to play the ball. And if there's not, it's seen as a deliberate foul and therefore a red card offence. It's all covers to me. Before we get started, we want to say a huge thank you to Adrian Barnett, the latest listener to support the podcast on Patreon. While Cobblers to Me is free to listen to, it's not free to produce. For $5 a month, your name will appear on our website and in the podcast, just like Craig Abbott, Craig West, and Malcolm Butler. As well as being an amazing person, you'll get access to a number of benefits, including the chance to listen to the podcast live as it's recorded. To find out more, head over to cobblerstome.com or patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. I'm Chris Freestone and it's all cobblers to me. Just like patron Mike Fuller, the cobblers were back at Sixfields on Saturday for their League Two encounter with Mansfield Town. Maybe it was Mike's return which made Sam Hoskins so desperate for an early dart as he attempted to rectify his own mistake by scything down Harry Charsley, giving away a penalty and getting himself sent off. We're you supposed to say dart though, is not Yeah, what's an early dart? What is an early dart? <laughs> An early dart. Oh, you have an early dart. Do you throw your dart yeah. from work? Do you not get an early? Do you not have an early dart from work? Uh, yeah, I get that. that, that uh, that's the West no. Country thing. That's fine. That I thought you meant. I thought Sam Hoskins was secretly obsessed with darts or something, and he's <laughs> that desperate to go and try and get away. Well, uh, well Peter Wright is the uh, or was the referee, and he is currently the PDC World Darts Champion. Oh, see what you've done there. Very clever. Oh, no. oh. <clears throat> Once in a lifetime, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think that um, Sam Hoskins, he was Harry Charlesley, you said, brought him down, didn't you? Yeah, he <laughs> no, did, sorry, he did, brought yes. Harry Charlesley down. Do you think he thought it was you, Charles? <clears throat> Do you think Hoskins just thought it was you? I, I hope not. Because it wasn't, was it? It was. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't. Me. No, I don't know where you go with this. Well, I'll tell you what, Danny, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question, Charles? <laughs> do you think do you think the red card was was basically what what caused the result in the end? Yes. Because it a tone for probably the biggest shit house match I've ever seen. And is it really that bad? It was horrific. <laughs> it's horrible. The thing is, I didn't find it the least the worst entertaining game I've ever seen, if that it makes was- sense. It's it because was it was so bad, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so bad and so all over the place that it was a little bit entertaining, but it was ridiculous. The whole <laughs> it, thing was it, a farce. It, it was a farce completely. It actually got to the point where, and I've, I've mentioned it to the you guys off air, that um, I've been going to the Cobbler since I was five um, and Sean doesn't really move from his seat on many occasions. And I've never seen him so animated and so furious by a referee's performance in my entire life. It was just woeful from, from ironically as well, the referee in question got the decision, the main decision with the red card completely right. But everything else was so badly wrong that the whole entire game just completely fell apart. There was no control whatsoever. It was horrendous. 
I think the thing that a lot of people are saying on Twitter is that there's a lot of blame for the referee, but at the same time, unfortunately, it seems like the, most people are blaming Sam this week. And maybe, maybe they're correct too. They are. Who are the idiots? This is what I don't get, right? He, he, it was Sam Hoskins' fault entirely, that red card. It was all his own making by getting that clearance blocked. He, he had an easy pass across to... Um, the animal anyway, that. yeah. He mm. had an easy pass, which he could have done. But no, he tried to boot it clear and he got blocked and then chased down. Uh, he tried to chase him down. He'd give him a nudge just outside the box, which is when the first contact happened. But he did nudge him again in the box and it was a clear foul. Uh, and, and it, it, you know, it wasn't the world's worst foul, don't be wrong. It was it was minor, very minor, but he touched anyone. Mm. Then they're going to go down, aren't they? So it's a clear red card, clear penalty. And then you've got some idiots in the West End standing up and clapping him when he's walking that, off. Yeah, that's what I found confusing as well. I was like... What are you yeah. clapping him for? Like there was, there was <clears throat> where I was sat. I was sat near um, Tom Townsend, who goes regularly, and like, like we were both like, "What on earth are you clapping him for?" I couldn't understand it. Well done, mate. You've lost us the game. Good effort. Good job. Well done, Sam. It's ridiculous. That's what I don't get. Uh, un- unbelievable. Uh, you mentioned the fact that he had an easy ball to play sidewards to the animal. Um, I, I, was it actually a clearance, or do you think he was trying to cross? Because it, it was on halfway, wasn't it? He was the last man and he was just inside his own half. And I think he's trying to basically put the ball back into the box because it was a corner, wasn't it? Or a free kick that has basically been cleared by Mansfield. There was one definite tweet that I saw that basically said, well, this is the result of Keith Curl's tactics. That's what Keith Curl wants is, is to hoof it. So that's why Sam hasn't, it's not that he's not seen the option to pass to the animal, but he's not allowed to. Kind of. I, I, I wouldn't say, actually, that he's not allowed to. In in his defence, I would actually say that he's just... Crap. If day after day after day in training, you're told, we get the ball forward, we get it forward as quick as we can, then that is always going to be your number one thought. And because we're in League 2, and these players are League 2 standard, they are going to probably not see the bigger picture like in a premier league like like probably in league one a player would actually see that i'll pass it to the animal and then he'll get it forward yeah but in league two that will only happen occasionally and and this time it didn't i think you've hit the nail on the head there charles um i think it was just a mistake just just a silly mistake unfortunately it cost us the match and could be quite damaging going forward but you kind of have to step back, which is very easy to do now, 24 hours afterwards. But you do have to step back and just look at it for what it is. He's messed up. He knows he's messed up. You could tell by the way he reacted. He was absolutely gutted about it. There's nothing you can do. And also, I don't think it helps that it's Sam Hoskins that is the person <laughs> responsible for it because he was already under a lot of pressure. And I think the fan base are just going to use this as a as a pounce towards him to 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 criticise, but that could have been Alan McCormack, who we lord yeah, every day, and it, we still would have been having to say the same thing. Because- yeah, you're right. You're right, because there have been a lot of people that I've seen on social media now saying, well, finally, we'll get to see a, a League 2 match without Sam Hoskins starting. We'll see how much better we are. They're now basically saying, you watch, we'll be 10 times better. And I hope we're not, actually. I really hope well, we're not. I, I don't care either way, but it's the fact that they're presuming that they know best. Yeah. And that winds me up a little bit, I have to say. It's like all those t- all those months last season where Neil was always thinking he was right. Really wound me up. <laughs> was. I was, though. <laughs> you were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree about the uh, the Sam Hoskins things, actually. The, look, it's just a mistake, right? And it happens, and it's frustrating, and it was an idiotic mistake to make. Some of the the so-called fans, I would say, on social media, absolutely reveling in that mistake is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it's it's over the top, and he's actually had a good season. And it, you know, it, it's it's exactly what you know that those fans that have been absolutely hammering him since since that mistake on Saturday are the same fans that say when he scores, whatever. Well, you know, he doesn't do it every week. Well, surely it works both ways, then, right? It, you know, he doesn't make that sort of mistake every week. In fact, he's it's the first time he's done it. So it's one of them. You're absolutely right with what you said, Jeffy. It's it's a one-off. It's a mistake. It happens. Players make mistakes. Yes, it was ridiculous. Yes, it was stupid. He'll know that, though, won't he? Of course yeah. he will, yeah. I think it's- also as well, for example, let's play devil's advocate, if in the exact same game Sam Hoskins stayed on the pitch and that 
didn't happen. But Charlie Goode got sent off for a clear elbow for no reason whatsoever, just did it because he felt like it. Would we react the same? And I honestly don't think <laughs> it sounds we would. Like something he'd do, to be honest. Exactly. And what I'm saying is the reaction to Sam Hoskins being sent off is disproportionate to what he's done. He's just made a stupid mistake. But if it was Charlie Goode elbowing somebody, we'd have probably laughed I mean, about it and moved on. I'll jump in there. He did elbow someone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's why I'm bringing it up. Should've, he should have should've been sent off. Exactly. Exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. Just to bring in the, the Hoskins thing as well, it wasn't just the mistake on the halfway line. I I, I think he probably should have just left Arnold to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If he if he scores, he scores. I mean, Arnold did actually look like he was getting towards the ball as well, so he might have saved it. But you just give him that fifty fifty chance, and it is and it's that thing about Hoskins just not having a defensive mindset, um, which is not his fault either, really. And it, he just happens to be the last man back because he's the quickest, mm. and he has made two errors. Both of them, you could argue that are defensive errors. Yeah, I wonder, you know, whether if it had been Cornell in goal, there would have been that little bit more, I don't know, of a, a reaction of thinking from Hoskins' point of view, it's all right, Dial, save this. Maybe. Because, because Maybe. Cornell has had such a good record this season that one-on-ones, hasn't he? Yes. I just wonder whether there was maybe a bit in his head that just sort of went, uh, I don't trust Arnold that much so I need to make this tackle I don't, I, think- I don't think in that time that that decision in his head could have been made because it was so quick like he just knew he had to sprint like hell to try and yeah, get back instinct. instinct yeah it was instinctive yeah. completely I don't think he would have had time for that I think okay. there's something in that though Charles I think it's it, it I think you're probably right but it, it was instinct and he, he probably wouldn't have had time to think about it but actually on the face of it I think on the goalkeeping thing, Di Cornell is definitely better in a one-on-one situation than Steve Arnold, Arnold is. Steve Arnold is definitely better at coming out and claiming the ball than, than Di Cornell is. So it's yeah. it's like th- their second goal, I know we'll talk about their goals later, but I mean, he was very flat-footed and he didn't necessarily make, I know it was a, he didn't stand that much chance, but he could have made himself a bit bigger. He, he could have probably narrowed the angle a bit more and he, he sort of just stood there, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, well, let's talk about that second goal because, you know, the fact is, is that both of Mansfield's goals came from breakaways. I know the first one was a penalty that cost us. Now, something that Curl has done all season, and he also did it towards the end of last season as well, was that he leaves only one person back as the defensive cover, uh, other than the goalkeeper, from one of our corners. And he's always actually said that, well, why not? You know, by leaving one player back, that means that the opposition have to bring more players back to defend the corner. Um, that means that there's more chance of us picking up the loose ball um, outside the area, hopefully. And this is the first time, really, where a side has managed to exploit that, I would say. Um, but do you think it is something that that Curl will probably look at next game? No, I don't think he would. It seems to be his tactic that he wants to stick to. I mean, Swindon left two players up, didn't they, against our one, which was a bit, <laughs> which is terrifying every time they, we got cornered. But he just he trusts our set pieces so much that that he will just carry on doing it. I think. I mean, he's been caught out this time, but I can't see him changing it. Is he seems to want to do yeah. what he wants to do, doesn't he? I don't think hmm. you can judge the second goal on that decision, if that makes sense, because I think. When you're down to 10 men, you're, you you don't have much of a choice. And I said to Sean, actually, at half time, you know, let's get a goal back. And if we lose 2-1 on the break, we lose 2-1 on the break. At least we give it a good go. You're going to get caught out if you've got 10 men because you've got a lack of numbers and a lack of shape. So, actually, I don't think on this second goal alone you can make that kind of decision and change because, actually, we were completely out of shape and... And we were being overrun to a certain extent because we were a man down. Yeah, that that lack of shape actually is something I'd like to pick up on because it does seem like at half time, Curl obviously thought we can still win this game, <laughs> and he brought on Harry Smith for Mark Marshall, and more or less went to a three-three-three formation. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's nice to see. I think Danny, you said that it was nice to see. BDK still going for the win and not giving up. It was um, proper going up, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, we were trying to work but, out what was going on because he, he was warming up and trying to figure out who's gone off. And I saw Oliver there and then I saw um, Morton there as well. And I thought, what's, what's he doing? It, it was literally, there's no midfield anymore. Not that they usually is, but um, <laughs> it was 
pretty apparent that it was just lumping up to the big men and trying to get onto something. And we nearly did it. We could have, you no, know, Smith had a chance, didn't he? Um, he had a couple of chances before they scored their second goal. Um, could easily have come away with the point. Um, but it was good to see him actually go go and try and get back into the game. Some people are arguing a little bit that it, it was a bit too early to do that, but I don't know. I, th- I, was, I was fine with it. It was that kind of match, wasn't it? Where it was tactics are out the window and you're just lumping it. That That's all we could do at that point. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those, isn't it? You, you, you're not going to win, so to speak. Um, you know, you're throwing all your eggs into that one basket, quite literally, egg, egg, and egg, egg, you egg, are literally egg, egg. just going for it. If he if he does it early, like he did at half time, then pe- and we don't win, then people are going to say, "Oh, you went too early." If you you know if you don't do it and you do it on like seventy or eighty minutes, people are going to say you tried too late. Um, but I, the one thing that I, now I wasn't there, as you know, but I've watched the highlights, I, I, I've listened to the commentary. Um, it didn't sound like Mansfield were necessarily the better team. And looking at the highlights, there are more chances for the Cobblers than there are for Mansfield. Is that a fair reflection of the game, Neil? Yeah, we were the better team. We, by far. I think the, pretty much the first time they got out of their half was when when the Sam Hoskins incident happened. <laughs> we, 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 they were atrocious. They were really, really poor, and which is it's galling because we lost to them. I know, but they, they were, they were ridiculously bad. They, they were really poor. And I thought, I think if we'd have kept eleven men on, then it would have been a comfortable victory. I don't think it would have even been close. I think. And, and even first half, it took us a while to to settle down, and there was a lot of theatrics going on across the park, and there was a lot of, you know, I think we lost our heads for about twenty five minutes, if not more, as did Mansfield. And then second half, we completely bossed it. But they were always going to have a couple of chances on the break. That's the risk you, risk you have to take in that situation, isn't it? But I thought we were we were definitely even, you know, with ten men, we were definitely worthy of at least a point. Well, that, that brings us on to the other big talking point, which came from Graham Coughlin's post-match comments. Uh, apparently, he thought it was at Franklin's Gardens rather than Sixfields, likening the game to rugby rather than football. Um, he also said, Danny, that there was a, he'd never seen such bad time-wasting or, or bad play from us. I mean, we're going to use the word shithousery. Obviously, Graham Coughlin can't really use that in, a, in an interview with the press, but that's what he's talking about. And yet... I'll be honest, everybody else seems to be turning around and saying there's a pot and a kettle <laughs> not a all involved kettle. in that sense. Not a travel kettle this time. Um, <laughs> Would have been there better. Is, they, were, they were given as good as they got, weren't they? But when you play us, you probably have to. And I think we've got to sometimes take it on the chin that teams are going to come here and shithouse us off the park. And not that they completely played us off the park, but... They I think out shithouse us, they, they, they? did pretty much out shithouse us. And with I don't the help think, of Peter Wright. With the yeah. help of Peter Wright, yeah. But... I think we, uh, I don't know, it feels like we can't really have a go at them for it when we've been doing it all season, if that makes sense. It's just, yeah. teams, it's, it's like, teams game, are going to find out now in the second half of the season and in the running. They've played us once, they've watched our games, they know what we're going to do. And it's sensible to come and go toe-to-toe with us rather than try and play football around us. That's why in the, in the playoffs we want to be playing probably if we get there, some a team like Exeter um, rather than a team like Cheltenham because we... <laughs> We do better against the teams that try and try and play football around us and not match us toe to toe. It would have been better if if that idiot had come out and said, "Look, we just beat him at their own game." Yeah. Then you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. up. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, fair play. You did. Yeah, but instead yeah. He, he he said everything about us and nothing about his own team uh, and their theatrics. And some of them were were ridiculously bad. And the amount of times their players were cleverly, I might add, but they were feigning injury to break up a, an attack or to break up a play or, or whatever it may be. It means that, I know you're going to talk about it, I think, Jeffy, but when... Don't say when, it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. When, we're not allowed to say it. When the doodah was on the doodah and the doodah hit the doodah. <laughs> Thank um, you. Because <laughs> Charles doesn't know yet. <laughs> um, so, uh, and it, it was very frustrating. They were a really horrible team. And it's, it's probably what people think when, when we play them, I guess, opposition teams and yeah. fans. They were really horrible. They had some horrible players. They had no no one in their team with skill at all. Um, 
they didn't have any good players. They they threw themselves to the floor all the time. They were time wasting as well. Their subs were winding up up winding up the West End. I lost my head with two of them. Um, <laughs> and you know, Keith Charles got his um, big red folder out trying to sign them all in the summer. Yeah, yeah, he will have, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, on that performance, you can totally understand why he's been trying to sign Danny Rose, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's what I said at the time. Was like, it's, it's a little shitty. So, oh, he's um, horrible. He's, just um, yeah, he's, he's there's, there's nothing to get his number after the game. <laughs> the, the, the problem with Coughlin's comments is that it, they were as bad, if not worse. And and actually, interestingly, he said about oh, it was more like rugby and stuff. It was at times because people were throwing themselves to the floor and all that sort of stuff. But actually, football-wise, we actually didn't. We weren't as direct as we always are. I didn't think on Saturday, and and I thought a little bit more so in the second half when Harry Smith came on, but they were equally as direct and it there was no difference in style they were exactly the same can i um very minimally defend mansfield to a certain extent no hang on no jeffy no (laughs) not necessarily what what they did but um or or graham coughlin's comments but i think um peter wright the referee has to take a huge amount of blame for his loss of control over that match i think the reason it ended up effectively becoming a rugby match because Neil effectively that is what it was it was because he lost control completely yeah he lost control (laughs) completely of the game and actually I think it became quite a dangerous game because there were bodies flying around left right and center whether it was amateur dramatics or not it it became dangerous at points because he had zero control of the game at all and that had a lot to do with it so I don't think necessarily it was Mansfield or us that were at fault there I think it was the referee and I think it was appalling I haven't seen the sorry Charles I haven't seen you're absolutely right about the control of the ref and stuff I haven't seen the the tackle that the animal made uh, on their player right on right in front of their bench oh that was fine I, I thought it was a red card no it was fine it was it was uh, it was coming, wasn't it? It had been building up over <laughs> yeah. the minutes and someone somewhere was going to lose their head and it was an incredible tackle, but I actually thought it was probably a red card. Uh, he, he applauded himself. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Which made it so much better. He it was, applauded he, himself. My, my favourite thing was he, he basically two-footed their player on the touchline and it was a, and he, he basically knocked him over the West Stand and then he launched a barrage of abuse at Graham Coughlin and then he gave himself a round of applause. <laughs> it was incredible. There was one as well where he did a tackle in the second half and the player was rolling around on the floor and he just sitting <laughs> The bench, stickling for the stretcher, would <laughs> and that's not did even also, the best bit. Did he also wake, wake up the goalkeeper as well? Can I something? please talk about that? Yes, go okay. for it, Jesse. So, let's set the scene. As I've said before, the game was completely out of control. Uh, I don't know whether it was a free kick or a corner, I can't remember, but basically, we went up for a free kick slash corner, ball came into the penalty area, goalkeeper and Mansfield player both hit the deck pretending for their uh, Oscar-worthy performances that they are dreadfully injured <laughs> with injury. I can't even say that. <laughs> So, Alan McCormack, the whistle, bearing in mind the ref has lost total control, he hasn't even blown the whistle, but all hell has broken loose in the penalty area. All our, hell had broken loose, hadn't yeah, it? Yeah, and our players have all gone marching over to the ref, except Alan McCormack. <laughs> He picked up the ball, he looked, laughed, laughed, and then proceeded to shoot with pinpoint accuracy at the goalkeeper's head. <laughs> it the keeper just jumps up straight away. Like, it that was, was a miracle. Beyond. It was instant, beyond wasn't brilliant. it? And, and the best thing about it was, from my point of view, Sean got up and applauded <laughs> him. <laughs> it was just magnificent. Absolutely I feel like, um, magnificent. Alan McCormack is probably a man after Sean's own heart. <laughs> Literally, it is. It really is, honestly. And I don't know how he did not get sent off. And I, we need to give him some Jeffrey Stelling points for not getting sent off because it was just absolutely wonderful. The whole West End just started pissing himself. <laughs> I was crying in my seat. It was brilliant. <laughs> but it just shows, doesn't it? He obviously wasn't that injured. And it happened a few times. And not where, not as, as as beautifully as that. But there was a couple of instances like that mm. where they were 
clearly feigning injury on the floor and, and keeping their eye out on what was happening on the pitch. And then as suddenly as the ball came near and bang, they were back <laughs> up and chasing it. And it's like, mm. God. Yeah. But honestly, the animal was just oh. 11 was out of 10. Really. Yeah, 11 man. out of 10. Uh, can you imagine what it's going to be like when he scores? <laughs> People are going to pitch him back. <laughs> he's going to be one of these players who however long he stays if he, even if he leaves this summer he's going to be whenever he comes back it's going to get such a big reception isn't he? he's a character already yeah we desperately needed him as well this year it's been it's been so important just just for comedy value as well more than anything for the fans because there's not been a lot to shout about has there he's like what we thought Hildeberto would be <laughs> with skill Hilda, yeah Hildeberto was just a mentalist whereas <laughs> McCormack is a controlled mentalist is a controlled mentalist yeah he's <laughs> <laughs> amazing I love him I'm Nicky Adams and it's all cobblers to me post-bag time I've not prepared anything this week um, mainly because it's Neil's post-bag and Neil should do some bloody work <laughs> for once I've prepared it I've, pre- I've prepared this time have you have we got a jingle yet yeah, amazing. It all will be revealed. Um, we had a tweet from Rodney Marshall, which I thought was interesting. Okay. He said he would have sent the Mansfield keeper off. Just for shits and giggles? Uh, well, partly for that, I imagine, because he's a Cobblers fan. Um, but also, he, he and he's actually right, in theory, but they never would they never do this. But he says a first yellow for simulation. Right. Which is fair. And then uh, an immediate second yellow for charging towards the opposition in anger, which he he did also do. That's true. Was that after Alan McCormack hit him in the head with a ball? <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> in the Manfield players' defence again. No, Jeffy, no. We'd have had about nine red cards because that was happening literally with every single player. Every time the ref blew up for something, gooed McCormack and 15, 16 players on the pitch would all just surround the referee. So I think we'd have ended up with like four players on the pitch. Just because your mum's got a house in Mansfield. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of, of, uh, actually like not related to the Mansfield game, but I thought we had an interesting tweet from Tony on on the Twitter uh, about Tony, Tony James, J-Mo. He said he wanted our thoughts on on the Cobblers creating a Northampton Town Hall of Fame to honour past players. Love it. Let's do it. It we was can, a great. We can sort that out, can't we? we? Certainly can. Going to hold it in the Dean Pier corridor. Absolutely. Yeah, when, when it's, it's finished, finally yeah. finished in in three thousand. Um, <laughs> but who who like so he he said look maybe they could induct five players at the last home game of every season. So if you're going to induct five players at the end of this season, which five players are we going to start with? F and E lad. <laughs> are these players in this Eric particular Sabin. season or players no. in years gone by? No, no. Yeah, so <laughs> Christ, not this season, Jesse. Yeah, because I was like, uh, I can't pick five. <laughs> hey, I bet Ash Taylor's sitting there going, oh, I wonder when it's my turn. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put the oh, ball yeah. from his penalty in there. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so Tony said, tough, he suggested to start with uh, what we'll tell John Frayne, Trevor Morley, Ian Sampson and Ian Benjamin. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think what you can't really go wrong with those, and yeah, I think go oh, with I, one from each kind of era, I guess. I, I think the problem you have if you do five at the end of each, I mean, we're going to run out of players at some point, right? Yeah, but you can't. Um, it's like I'm trying to think what what I might actually be thinking of wrestling here, which is dreadful. But um, Jefferson, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's me. Friendly. But isn't there a? Um, they no, do. that's just a Jeff illusion. Um, <laughs> isn't? I think they do a kind of like induct into a hall of fame at the end of every year, maybe or wrestling. So I don't know. I, I presume the year culminates at WrestleMania or something. I've not watched wrestling for years, um, but they usually install somebody into the hall of fame and it's usually a, a couple of people at least every year that they do it and it's a big deal to get inducted into the hall of fame and it's usually somebody that's retired or retiring um yeah you would run out eventually but you've got to start it off i think tony tony's basically meaning let's start it off with five so that there's five players in or five people connected to the cobblers in there yeah and then you can just add as as many or as little as you want each year um, I mean, 
my suggestion was that, like like Danny sort of said, try and get one player from each mm. era of the club, so to speak, or one person. And my suggestions were Walter Tull, same as Tony, Jack English, who is the top goal scorer for the Cobblers of all time, Dave Bowen, best manager that the Cobblers have had. He got us into Division One. Um, Richard Hill and Samo. Yep, I don't think yep. you can argue with those. And um, obviously Eric Sabin. Obviously, there'll be a whole section for Eric. Eric Sabin's section. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He he just gets reinstated every year. (laughs) I actually think it's a really, really good idea, though. I do, too. uh, I think the the club should definitely get on board with it and get involved. I think it's a a really good idea. And and it's rare that ideas come up, actually, really, isn't it, that that everyone probably thinks, well, that's a great idea. Why don't we do that? Yeah, water park now. Well, that's a great idea, isn't it? It Uh, is. Unbelievably, I can't believe it's still not been picked (laughs) up on. Oh, dear. There was also... Sorry, I'm going to move on. There was also another another tweet, which I really enjoyed this week. You ready for it? Uh, Ready as anything. It was from Luke, Luke Foday. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, which Which he's now... After a bit of chat, I think, with you, Charles, on the Twitter, it's now going to be the new club motto. Uh, <laughs> I've seen this. <laughs> which is, yeah. uh, this team has to be one of the most brilliant, awful, great and frustrating teams we've ever had. Love and hate watching them at the same time, which I think <laughs> just about sums it up perfectly, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> and I think I think you, Charles, have suggested translating it into Latin and whacking it on next season's shirt. <laughs> well, yeah, just uh, it's the Everton badge, isn't it? That has Ills, whatever it is, Notum something, Aravadurchi on their shirt, on their badge, don't they? And I thought, well, if you put it into Latin, <laughs> if you put it into Latin and stick it on the club badge on the shirt, that'd be quite funny. But then somebody tried doing it, and it isn't it like, I don't know, 700 words long or something? It's, yeah, it's quite long. There's actually one more uh, really, really good tweet, which I liked as well. Uh, we'll end on this one. Uh, it was from Sarah Turner. Uh, really nice tweet, actually. She said, I've got a 13-year-old autistic boy sat next to me, and it's his first ever live football match. Despite the score and what's happened on the pitch, he's absolutely loving it. And joining in with the songs and clapping along, it's lovely seeing him happy. Football is for everyone. 100% agreed. Good on you, Sarah. Well yeah, done. Love that. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Lovely, that is. Beautiful. So I, I suppose all we really want to know now, Neil, is uh, what's the jingle? Oh, no, we haven't got one. I was just trying to buy, buy time. I definitely don't want that, Charles. Um, <laughs> no, we're still awaiting a jingle. We're disappointed to not yet have a jingle. There you go. Send us <laughs> some mail and we might read it. But we might not. <laughs> Neil's post bag. Good stuff. Right then, brilliant. If you've got a story, <laughs> anything cobblers related, or you just want to get involved, then you can tweet us at cobblers to me. Send us an email. It's all cobblers at gmail.com or visit the website cobblers to me.com. Website. Foresight. <laughs> <laughs> The Cobblers are off to Nailsworth this weekend to do battle with Mark Cooper's Forest Green Rovers. Joining me now to discuss how FGR have been doing since our 1-0 win back in December is Laurie Martin. Welcome back to It's All Cobblers to Me, Laurie. How's it been since December when we last spoke? Um, Not great, I think it's fair to say. Um, Obviously, we won our last game yesterday at 2-0 win at Swindon, but yes, it's not been good at all. I thought we played pretty well at Northampton that day in December, but since then, it's been a lot of losses and basically relegation form. Yeah, I mean, let, let's go with the positive, shall we? Absolutely fantastic win at Swindon. Uh, you must be over the moon with that. Yeah, it was completely unexpected and completely deserved as well, I think. I think Swindon only had three shots on target and we scored early and just this perfect away performance. They haven't uh, lost at the county ground since September prior to yesterday, but it was a type of performance that we were putting in at the start of the season like when we went and beat Chatham at Wadden Road there were 18 games unbeaten at home um yeah it was it was such a, a good performance completely unexpected completely out of the blue perhaps having a week off beforehand where our game against Leighton Orient was postponed perhaps that helped 
But um, no, I don't think anyone saw yesterday coming, but it's all about following it up now. Yeah, that's it. I mean, to the sort of start of the season, you were looking like promotion was maybe on the cards for you. And then you've just slipped away, haven't you? And I was actually quite surprised when I was looking through. You've only won twice since we last played each other. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It's It's been a strange one. I remember just before um, that game against you, a couple of weeks before we played Leighton Orient, beaten 4-2, um, I thought promotion was pretty much on the cards. It was such an impressive performance. showed real grit, but quality as well. And ever since then, it's been pretty sour, to be quite honest with you. Um, Cooper's been... Some, some strange decisions in the transfer market, some strange tactical decisions, freezing some players out. It's been a, it's been a strange one, quite unforgivable that it's been allowed to sort of drift into mid-table mediocrity this season after we were top of the league for a couple of weeks back in November. Now we find ourselves nine points off the playoffs with a game in hand. Whether we've left it too late, whether this squad has the quality under Cooper, I'm not so sure. What, what do you put it down to? Is it Mark Cooper? I think it is, yeah. Um, Obviously, we've had him now for nearly four years to to the month, and I think perhaps longevity isn't a great thing in football. Sometimes things have gone sour. People are just sick and tired of his of his manner. Basically, you know the way he treats treats fans. There was a game against Mansfield back in January, um, one of our only wins. We beat them four three. Came out and called uh, fans deluded for wanting him out. Uh, there was obviously the alleged incident with. Ross Embleton back in November and uh, it's just some really strange decisions in the transfer market as well bringing in uh, Conrad Logan on loan from Mansfield when we already had two quality goalkeepers at the football club uh, freezing players out uh, who have played a big part in the season for seemingly doing nothing wrong some really strange decisions I think if we don't get playoffs this season it seems very unlikely that we will it's probably just time for him to go and get some fresh impetus and fresh ideas into the squad. How, how have you actually been playing? Uh, I know results haven't been going your way, but what about the performances? Has there been anything there to sort of make you say, I don't mind watching this team? Not really, apart from moments here and there. I remember that game at Northampton back in uh, December. We played well and I think hit the woodwork three times. Then the game after that, we played against Swindon and had a great 45 minutes where we drew to all. But since then, it's just been... Very poor, very turgid and boring to watch. Um, Cooper likes to go on about we create so many high-quality chances, but for me, we don't. We've we've not deserved to win many games at all. And to be quite honest with you, apart from that brilliant win against Swindon yesterday, we, we could have lost every single game. The other game that we did win against Mansfield, that was a 97th-minute winner. Could have easily drawn or, or lost that game. So, no, no, no encouraging signs that make me think we're going to push on now and get towards those playoffs. Any players you've brought in during January, have any of them been any good for you? Um, so we signed Josh March from Leamington. He, he's done okay. It's a very sort of Forest Green signing, bringing in a player from non-league, a young player looking to make a name for themselves. He scored a couple of goals for us, but hasn't been starting consistently as he's you know, making that uh, step up from part-time football. But no, a lot of our January signings, we obviously, I mentioned Conrad Logan, who came in and started like five odd games, didn't impress at all. Uh, we had Odin Bailey on loan from Birmingham City, who got injured about three games in and injured for six weeks. And um, the other one was Rob Hall uh, on loan from Oxford, who really struggled to make an impact, barely played at all. So... Um, not necess- I don't think it was necessarily smart recruitment this January. I think a lot of the signings were unnecessary. Maybe maybe all apart from Josh March were signings we didn't have to make. Uh, I think that's probably unsettled the squad a bit more. Am I right in saying, so uh, the last game at Sixfields, you lined up with former Cobblers goalkeeper Adam Smith uh, between the sticks, but he's not with you anymore, is he? No, so our goalkeeping situation has been absolutely bizarre this season. Went into the season with three great goalkeepers by the looks of it, and Adam Smith, Lewis Thomas and Jojo Willicott, I know from Bristol City. Um, Smith didn't start his first league game until that Northampton game. Um, and Thomas and Willicott were sort of rotating. 
Uh, Smith, after that Northampton game, went on and started about eight or nine league games. Uh, Woolacott went back to Bristol City. We then brought in Conrad Logan, who started about five or six games. Uh, and Adam Smith has since been frozen out of the team, along with a few other outfield players. who confirmed that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he's gone to Yeovil on loan. And I think it's on a one-month loan initially, uh, which is where he spent a bit of the first half of the season as well. So it's been a bit, a bit bizarre because Adam Smith didn't do anything wrong in those games he played. He looked at an accomplished League Two goalkeeper. Um, so it, it's been a, a really weird one, but it kind of sums up our season, really. It's been very unsettled in the goalkeeping department. Well, in, in that case, we'll, we'll go straight on to this Saturday's game then at your place at the New Lawn. Um, one thing I, I kind of always ask people is to give us a prediction. What do you think is going to happen this Saturday? What are you hoping for, Laurie? Well, hoping for a, a similar performance to what we saw against Swindon. But it's difficult to see that. We've been really poor at the new law and it's not a nice place to, to play football. It's a lot of just turgid performances recently, poor atmospheres. But hopefully we see some of that running and drive that we saw at Swindon yesterday. I think... It's a game we have to win to close that gap on the playoffs if we think we stand any chance. But for me, it's just it's unlikely. I need to see more evidence of that sort of performance against Swindon to tell me that we're going to you know, mount a bit of a playoff charge. Does that mean that you're maybe not expecting to get anything out of this game? I think looking at league position, probably not. Um, you know, I know your form has been a bit hot and cold, but I think... Northampton would probably have to fancy their chances going into it. Thanks to Forest Green fan Laurie. So Forest Green coming to the game against the Cobblers off the back of a tremendous 2-0 victory away at Swindon. Their first win since they beat Mansfield in January. Um, in fact, Danny, it's the uh, it's only their second win since we last played them. What do you make of Mark Cooper's side? Um, they've come downhill, haven't they? Lost the last five at home, which is helpful. Because I think Mansfield have lost all their games away this season, haven't they? Um, this this year before we played them, um, they somehow come out with a two 0 win against Swindon, didn't they, on Saturday, which was their first win for ages. And Cooper was under a bit of pressure, thankfully, before the weekend. Probably bought him a bit of time, but I don't think their fans are too happy with him at the minute still. Um, and yeah, I don't make a lot of them at the minute, apart from their obvious good use of green energy Charles um, which I know you all enjoy as well green energy well all sorts of greenness going on there isn't there <laughs> yeah they've got the no, they've stadium. got a wooden stadium coming, coming soon which is uh, which is going to be fun um, that's about it really oh they, they beat Swindon and yeah then they play us <laughs> good <laughs> I wasn't as prepared as I usually am, Charles, this week, uh, as you might. No, I've, I've noticed. <laughs> Smash match, Charles. <laughs> well, that started well, didn't it? It did, yeah. The big it question is, though, Charles, obviously. Um, to a sorry, certain sorry, extent, sorry, we did smash March in, in one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true as well. They've got, uh, they've got a couple of good players, actually, looking at their squad. Have they? You've got mm. Matt Mills. Do you remember Matt Mills? Yeah, he's injured at the minute, isn't he? Is he? Oh, perfect. Yeah, apparently the whole <laughs> back four, the whole back four is pretty much out. Oh, is it? Yeah, and they've been a, makeshift back look. four. Um, well, they kept <laughs> clean sheet against Swindon. They're just going to play 4-2. <laughs> they've got a, a certain uh, ex-cobbler in goal, haven't they? Nope. No, they he's at no. Yeovil. Is he? Yeah, yes. he's on loan. Mm. You missed all this. Oh, ruddy Nora. Apparently, Mark Cooper has had a bit of a, um, what should we say, freezing out session. Yeah. I can quite imagine, actually, Adam Smith and Mark Cooper clashing because Mark Cooper strikes me as the sort of guy that likes to be top dog and is a end. So I, I can quite imagine them. Who's in goal for him now then? Conrad Logan? No, I think he's back at Bristol City. Is he? Bristol Who's in City? goal then? Isn't he the Mansfield um, bloke, Conrad Logan? This is going well today. <laughs> this is good. He's, he plays for Mansfield, doesn't he, Conrad Logan? They've got George Williams. Is, have they got any keepers or defence, Neil? 
Um, well, I don't know. You guys, I keep throwing names out there and you keep poo-pooing them all. <laughs> uh, Ebu, Ebu Adams. I'm going to bring him up. Ebu Adams. You see his head at the weekend. He, was, he looked quite tidy when we played him. And he, I he, read that it was a humongous header. It was humongous. He looked like a kipper. Um, Kipper. Ted in the second goal. I think he's Kipper. moved up front from... Uh, he was playing in midfield, but they moved him up front. So he's Kipper. shuffling the pack quite a lot, isn't he, old um, Mark Cooper? They, have, they do have Rob Hall. They do. They, they do have Rob Hall, yes. Is, that Is he still there? Of, not their version of the Dean Peer Corridor. <laughs> uh, no, Danny, uh, that is not. And Neil, yes, he is still there. Good. Mm. Pleased, pleased to hear it. He always he always used to impress me, actually, when he played for the Oxford. Yeah, did he play for Southend as well? I think uh, so. I can answer that for you if you want, Charles. you want me to answer I'd, it for you or not? I'd love you to, yeah. <laughs> by, the, by the magic of time and editing. Okay, yep, he did not play for Southend. Oh, well, oh, we okay. got that wrong, wrong, Charles. That's no good, is it? He, he had mm. a, a spell at Bolton for a while, uh, and then a bit of time at MK Dons. And now oh. he's at Forest Green. Also represented England in under-16, under-17, under-18, and under-19s. Who did that? England realised he was crap. <laughs> I, I suppose there's not really much to say about Forest Green Rovers then. Uh, Nailsworth. Where's Nailsworth? Gloucestershire. Nobody Gloucestershire. knows, Neil. Gloucestershire, Gloucestershire is it? Yeah. yeah. It won't be for long. It's uh, just well, it will, pure green. It will green. be for long. <laughs> Got some Nailsworth facts. You'll be here for 15 years before we find any. Jeez, Louise. Oh, I found many. some. Got some Go great on. facts. Got some great facts on Nailsworth. Uh, their postcode district is GL6. Good. good. <laughs> this is fabulous. Yeah. Their, their post town is Stroud. Yeah. I can see the listening figures shooting up this week, Neil. This is uh, that's about it for uh, <laughs> Nailsworth. So you're right. Uh, there's not much there. The population of Nailsworth is 5,800. You fit them in the six fields, right? You, you could. Yeah, about, it's tiny. Is it about the same size as Bricksworth? Potentially. They're moving to their, to their it new... It absolutely is. They're moving to the out-of-town out wooden stadium, right? The wooden. Eco Stadium. Eco Park, yeah. isn't it? It's be wood, eco Park, yeah. Mm. Is it actually going to be wooden? Yeah, it's going to be wooden. Wow, yeah. how long till that burns down? Well, I don't know. I mean, but the the council ain't very happy, are they? Why? Because the the local council aren't, but the government yeah. have given it a kind yeah, of go ahead now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. but the, it's um, Eastington Parish Council who are not very happy mm. because of the noise, traffic, and landscape stuff. But there's not going to um, be that much noise or traffic, is there? That's very true, <laughs> Neil. Um, Neilsworth, you could call it from now. Neilsworth. <laughs> Will I have to move there? Yes, yeah. You have, spoil, you have to start well, a uh, forest green podcast. I'm not on board with that. No, stop trying to make us, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's let's, uh, Charles, let's stop this shit show. No, <laughs> no quickly, I do have one more question, Charles, related to the forest green situation. Did uh, oh, Mark, Mark Cooper? Did he used to play for us? No, no, not that Mark Cooper. That was a different. One. It wasn't the striker, Mark Cooper. Did no, no, it wasn't. That's a different Mark Cooper. Are you Get sure? Track, Neil. I thought you'd know that, Neil. I mean, that's, I'll be honest with you. Can't believe you get such a make such a mistake like that. I, know, I can't believe someone yeah. would produce a no. cobbler's podcast and not know that. I know, Neil. It's shocking. To be honest, transfer ban. It's You're gone. It's not me week. that didn't think it. <laughs> isn't it? Let's go for predictions. <laughs> Please. I've already made mine. I've added, I've added I, it to the running order. I've seen. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going with a one-all draw and Harry Smith will score once more. Go on, Harry. Go on, Hazza. Uh, Jeffy. Uh, I think we're going to win 4-0. Yes, Ooh. Jeffy. I think Jane <laughs> Oliver is going to get a hat-trick. And then I think the animal is going to storm all the way from his own penalty area right down the other end and smash a goal in and crowd surf at the away end while eating a vegan pie. He'd not go no, near The one. animal wouldn't eat a vegan pie. Don't he be ridiculous. He wouldn't. He'd eat a raw cow. <laughs> Which, in essence, is just a cow, right? A live, a live cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny, what's your prediction, please? Um, I want to go because I want to experience this. Um... I'm going. Are you? Yeah. No, I won't bother then. I'm not um... going. <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry. Um, I'm going for a sneaky one nil. Sneaky one nil. Yeah, smash match again. We'll start Danny, again. can I ask what's going to be sneaky about it? Um, it's going to be sneaky because Sam Hoskins is going to sneak onto the pitch, um, even Ooh. though he's banned. Ooh. He'll uh, put on a mask, uh, a um, Mark Cooper mask, the one who used to play for us, who's not Forest Green's <laughs> manager, Charles, um, and sneak in and he'll put a little thing in his back to make him look like Hunchback and he'll sneak on and score the winner. Perfect. Lovely. Thank you. Um, Neil, your prediction, please. Uh, I predict that Danny will move to Nailsworth and move into a teepee. <laughs> and that's that sounds like my lifestyle. I love it. <laughs> sounds like heaven to you, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's my prediction. What about for the game? Oh, the game. Right. Uh, what, Saturday, when is it? Neil. Saturday. Saturday. Three o'clock. Nailsworth. Neil, oh, the, um, the, just to, I don't know if this is going to make your prediction any easier, but um, just to let you know that it's not the Mark Cooper who used to play for us who's managing uh, Fire Screen. It's, oh, is it not? No, it's, the, it's a different one. Charles oh. put the completely wrong one in the show notes. So I was massively um, misled by Charles's show notes suggesting that Mark Cooper <laughs> used to play up front for us. Um, <laughs> that does change my prediction. Uh, I, will, I will go uh, 5-1 Cobblers. Amazing. Well, it depends if Callum Morton's... I suspect he'll probably still be injured, won't he? Um, so I'll go for Dane with two. Bang, and the loney was gone. <laughs> Actually, I'll go Harry, a Harry Smith hat-trick. Hmm. I'll go the turn dog to get back on the score sheet, and one from Scott Pollock. Oh, lovely. Wouldn't it be nice lovely, if this was lovely, the last lovely. nail in the coffin of Mark Cooper? Nails worth and, in the coffin. Oh, like it. And they <laughs> Which used Mark the Cooper words. are we talking about? <laughs> the, 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 the manager of um, Pride Screen. Did you hear that, Charles? Not RX Striker. <laughs> yes, yes, I heard that. Right, before this descends any further. I know you've been up well, mate, but come on. <laughs> That's all we've got time for this week. It's all Gobblers to me. It's a Vibrantown Media production. Remember, if you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or podchaser.com. It makes us smile when you do that. And check out patreon.com cobblers to me as well. We'll be back next week with more cobblers chat. Goodbye. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.